Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Tuesday, December 20th, and we start with local news. The Columbia Police Department is trying to locate 33-year-old missing person Emily Goodwin. Goodwin's vehicle was found abandoned in the 900-block area of Bear Creek Pike in Columbia on December 15th. Goodwin made several concerning statements to family prior to being reported missing. Goodwin is 5 feet 6 inches tall, weighing about 140 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. Any person with additional information that may assist in this or any other investigation is encouraged to contact Columbia Police Department Dispatch 24 hours a day at 931 388 2727, the Murray County Crime Stoppers at 931-381-4900, or Columbia Police Safe Tip email to safetips at columbiatn.com. The City of Spring Hills Board of Mayor and Aldermen voted unanimously Monday evening to update the pay scale for shift-based fire department staff who work at least 2,756 hours annually. The resulting increases go into effect during the pay period beginning January 7th and apply to 57 frontline firefighters. The City Administrator's Office, Human Resources Department, and the Fire Department reviewed pay levels at fire departments across Tennessee and confirmed Spring Hills firefighter pay is below that of many comparable agencies. Spring Hills elected leaders had been discussing raising wages for some time to improve the ability of the fire department to recruit and retain trained firefighters. The firefighter pay increases will aid in the recruitment and retention of qualified firefighters, said Fire Chief, uh, the Spring Hill Fire Chief. We need to narrow the firefighter pay gap between our city and surrounding areas, departments, he said. The funding for the proposed increase will be added to the fiscal year 22-23 budget amendment package for the fire department to fund salaries through the end of the fiscal year. The total cost of the increases amounts to $156,301. The City of Columbia has been awarded a Community Development Block Grant, or CDBG, by the Tennessee Economic and Community Development Department in the amount of $630,000. Columbia is one of 47 municipalities that will share $27.3 million in Community Development Block Grant money used to help fund sidewalk improvements on East 8th Street and South High Street, which are main pedestrian arteries. Improvements include replacing the existing sidewalks on the south side of East 8th Street and repairs to the sidewalks on both sides of High Street in order to improve pedestrian flow and meet ADA standards. All surrounding neighborhoods will be able to link to the improved walkways and have much better access to the downtown district. Residents will have better access to the transportation shelters, which in turn gives them access to the city as a whole. We're very excited to announce today the City of Columbia has been awarded a $630,000 CDBG grant, said Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder. These monies will be spent replacing sidewalks on East 8th Street and repairing them on South High Street. The East 8th Street project is the first step towards a streetscape project for this historic section of Columbia, and the South High Street project will help us in our efforts to enhance the Columbia Arts District, he said. The national objective addressed by this project is to serve low- to moderate-income folks. 
The sidewalk improvements will enhance the connectivity of predominantly low-income minority neighborhoods to the downtown district. Additionally, the improvements will enhance safety, accessibility, and promote good health. The total estimated cost of this project is $830,150. The City of Columbia is investing $200,150 from the budget to help fund the sidewalk improvements and represents a 17% match rate needed to receive the grant funds. Columbia Police Department's Lieutenant Jeff Duncan was inspired as a young boy to help others when he observed his father, also a Columbia police officer, deliver gifts and goods to families in need each Christmas. He'd load up the truck and I'd ride with him to make the deliveries, Duncan said. Because of that experience, seeing his father devote time and effort to helping others, Duncan wanted to do the same for those in the community experiencing difficult times. Hence, Shop with a Cop was born many years ago as an annual event at the Columbia Police Department. This year marks the 20th year the department has participated in the program under Duncan's leadership, funded through an annual pancake breakfast and donations. Last week, police officers rolled carts down aisles at Walmart, helping approximately 20 children shop with Christmas gifts to go under the tree for their family. Kiwanis Club of Columbia volunteers helped wrap the gifts for each child as part of the program. This year was very special, Duncan said. We have some children who are dealing with losses in the family, and seeing the kids loving the experience and watching them have fun makes it worth it, he said. After the shopping spree, children happily enjoyed a pizza party and watched the Grinch back at the Columbia Police Department with the officers. We are able to relate and connect to the kids in a different light than we do throughout the rest of the year, Duncan said. A lot of times children are coming in contact with officers during unforeseen circumstances during the year, but this way they get to see us in a different setting and make more of a personal connection, he said. Duncan says the event at the end of each year makes the work officers do throughout the year that much more meaningful by giving the department a chance to give back to families in meaningful ways, especially in bringing more cheer on Christmas. The Joseph F. Krauss Jr. and Hazel Krauss Human Development Foundation, a 501c3 private grant-making foundation based in Lawrenceburg, donated $15,000 to the Miracle League of Columbia in a check presentation from First Farmers and Merchants Bank. The Miracle League of Columbia is a program created to give children with disabilities the opportunity to play baseball in Columbia. The Krauss Foundation's donation will help the organization build the baseball field and playground that will house the program at Murray County Park. The donation was presented by the Krauss Foundation's board chairman, Timothy E. Pettis, former vice chairman of First Farmers and Merchants Bank and a member of the bank's board of directors. The Miracle League of Columbia has a dream of giving every child in our community the opportunity to play America's favorite pastime. The Krauss Foundation believes in the power of sports, specifically baseball, to transform children's lives and teach valuable lessons, Pettis said. The program will be fully inclusive for children and their families over five with a diagnosed disability or IEP 504 plan. We support the Miracle League of Columbia in forming a community that will ensure no child is excluded from the joy and camaraderie of playing baseball, he said. This donation is a continuation of the Krauss Foundation's dedication to supporting the Miracle League. In 2014, the foundation was the first donor to contribute to Abigail's plan in Lawrenceburg. Miracle League of Columbia aims to raise $1.5 million to build a handicapped accessible field and all-inclusive playground. To donate or volunteer, you can visit www.columbiamiracleleague.com. 
The Miracle League of Columbia at Murray County Park is a program created to give children with disabilities the opportunity to play baseball in Columbia. The organization was formed in 2021 by Columbia natives who dreamed of bringing an all-inclusive Miracle League program and playground to their community. The Columbia chapter is part of the national organization that opened its first field in the year 2000 and was designed to give kids ages 5 to 19 with disabilities a chance to play America's favorite pastime. The Joseph F. Krauss Jr. and Hazel Krauss Human Development Foundation is a 501c3 private grant-making foundation based in Lawrenceburg. The foundation was established in 2010 through a testamentary charitable gift by Joseph and Hazel Krauss. First Farmers and Merchants Corporation is the holding company for First Farmers and Merchants Bank, a community bank serving the Middle Tennessee area through 22 offices in seven Middle Tennessee counties. First Farmers reported total assets of approximately $1.9 billion, total shareholders' equity of approximately $85 million, and administered trust assets of $5.4 billion in the fourth quarter of this year. For more information about First Farmers, you can visit www.myfirstfarmers.com under Investor Relations. Physician's assistant Brian Lovely is now a part of the staff at Murray Regional Medical Group Primary Care in Columbia. Lovely joins the team with 13 years of experience as a physician assistant. He received his bachelor's degree in athletic training from Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, and soon after completed his master's degree in medicine from Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville. Services at Murray Regional Medical Group Primary Care in Columbia include adult and pediatric medicine, chronic disease management, diabetic retinopathy screenings, immunizations, minor surgical procedures, on-site x-ray and lab, palliative medicine, physical and wellness exams, treatment of acute illness, and women's health. Murray Regional Medical Group Primary Care is located in Suite 403 of the Murray Regional Medical Plaza in Columbia. Lovely joins Dr. Thomas Farmer, Dr. Ben Gardner, and Dr. John Roberts. For more information, you can call 931-380-0075 or visit www.murrayregional.com forward slash PC403. Murray County's Regional Planning Commission approved last month a favorable recommendation to the County Commission for a rezoning of agricultural land to commercial C1 to accommodate the future home of the Survival Flight Corporate Headquarters. The 44-acre parcel of land is located on Bear Creek Pike, just west of Green Schoolhouse Road, east of Interstate I-65. District 8 Commissioner Gabe Howard, who said he would love to see the company located in Murray County, pleaded with the commission not to open Pandora's box with an approval. This rezone is exactly the problem we have seen with the City of Columbia and the annexations and the upzoning. We do not follow our comprehensive growth plans and honor the current residents that call Murray County home, Howard told the commission. If we approve this rezone request, it would open Pandora's box for commercial zoning applications that will affect people's quality of life and rural countryside living, he said. Concerned about the possibility of regular helicopter flights in and out of the area, commissioners questioned how much the area would be disturbed. Original plans for the property included a helipad and fully furnished living quarters in the facility. Survival Flight Representative Harold Newton confirmed to the commission both of those plans have been scrapped. The planned facility would include the company's communications headquarters, as well as normal office personnel, including owner Chris Millard. In, the, in a statement submitted to the commission, Millard said his family recently purchased 140 acres in Santa Fe, where they will build a new home. 
Once he met several of the people in Murray County, he knew this was where he should have his corporate headquarters, the statement reads. The company's current headquarters are in Batesville, Arkansas, and Chandler, Arizona. Survival Flight is the largest family-owned helicopter EMS company in the country, and Newton told the commission the Millards have no intention of the company leaving family hands. There are 480 employees nationwide currently in Newton, and upwards of 30 employees could be moving their families to Murray County. While physical helicopters coming and going would be a rare occurrence at the proposed facility, Survival Flight would have the first fully enclosed Bell 407 flight simulator in the state of Tennessee. The county commission is not set to meet for a regular session until the new year. The state of Tennessee has attracted more than $10 billion in investment to produce electric vehicles and EV components in the past two years alone. In April of 2021, General Motors and South Korea's LG Energy Solution announced $2.3 billion to create a new electric vehicle battery plant near the former's existing plant in Spring Hill. In September of that year, Ford unveiled Blue Oval City, which will produce electric F-150 pickup trucks and electric vehicle batteries at a sprawling megasite campus outside Memphis. And last month, LG Chem, an affiliate of LG Energy Solution, announced a $3.2 billion investment for a cathode manufacturing plant that will support electric vehicle battery production in Clarksville. A little more than a week later, LG Energy Solution announced an additional $275 million toward its Spring Hill facility. Governor Bill Lee has called these investments record-breaking job creators and said they will position Tennessee at the forefront of electric vehicle manufacturing. That industry is expected to grow further after President Joe Biden in September set a goal for 50% of all vehicles made in the U.S. to be electric by 2030. Even so, there's still a long road ahead for widespread EV adoption in Tennessee. They account for fewer than 1% of all registered vehicles on the road in Tennessee, according to vehicle registration data from the state. Amid that backdrop, Tennessee Department of Transportation Commissioner Butch Alley proposed a tax change that would make it slightly more expensive to own an EV. Since non-hybrid EVs don't fill up at the pump, drivers are essentially exempt from paying Tennessee's gas tax, which often supports road infrastructure projects. To make up for that lost revenue, they pay a flat $100 annual EV registration fee. In November, Ellie asked legislators to raise the annual EV registration fee from $100 to $300. Adoption of electric vehicles will decrease the need for gas, while at the same time the need for revenue will be increasing, TDOT spokesperson Beth Emmons said. This creates a challenge for our ability to build. Commissioner Ellie has said those that use the roads should pay for them. Everyone should pay their fair share, he said. The department arrived at the $300 number using the average mileage driven by a Tennessee driver annually, reported at 15,287 miles by the Federal Highway Administration, and the arithmetic average of miles per gallon using model years 2000 through 2021 for cars, which they calculated at 22.4 miles per gallon for the average car. Using that math, they found that the average Tennessean pays $311 in federal and state gas taxes annually. Ainsley Kelso, a spokesperson for Knoxville-based nonprofit Drive Electric TN, said cost is already a major factor discouraging EV adoption in Tennessee. A Tennessee-built 2023 Nissan Leaf S has a suggested retail price of $20,540 after federal EV rebates, making it a relatively inexpensive electric vehicle. A gas-powered 2023 Nissan Versa S costs just $15,580. Kelso notes that there are also few far fewer used EVs on the market. 
If Tennessean hands are building these batteries, building these vehicles, they should have access to the technology, Kelso said. Are we making it accessible to people in Tennessee, or are we creating a barrier for Tennesseans to be able to purchase and drive these vehicles themselves, she asked. Drive Electric TN published its own data using a four-car sample of common gas-powered vehicles and determined that the average driver might pay as little as $113 in gas taxes annually. Kelso said the organization was grateful to see TDOT address the need for fee adjustments proactively, but had concerns about equity issues raised by the proposed changes. If you look at the average household income in the state, buying a brand new electric vehicle is not in most Tennesseans' budget, Kelso said. We want people to be interested in it, and we love the idea of it, but there are issues within the industry, and there are things that we have to make happen to make them more accessible. Metro Council member Freddie O'Connell, who has driven an electric vehicle since 2012, said raising the EV fee was a weird step in the wrong direction. It basically says we don't want people driving electric vehicles, O'Connell said. I think we ought to be moving the gas tax in the other direction, because that further incentivizes moving in the direction you want to move on the emissions basis. O'Connell, who announced his campaign for the Nashville mayor's office in the spring, said government should take steps to encourage electric vehicles within their borders. Here in Nashville, we have a green permit green parking permit program that lets you have access to downtown parking spots if you have an electric vehicle for the reasonable price of $10 a year, O'Connell said. That's because we'd love to see more people preferring to be in low-emission vehicles. TDOT spokesperson Emmon said Tennessee has a plan to increase the number of EV charging stations on the road, another major hurdle to adoption. The state received $88 million in federal funds toward a public-private partnership with EV charging vendors to create a network of charging stations every 50 miles along Tennessee's interstates by the end of 2023. We have to make charging more accessible in public in general and make it more visible, Kelso said. Until people can see it with their own eyes out in public, they're not going to believe it's there. Will all these electric vehicle production facilities actually lead to more Tennesseans driving the, driving the cars? Kelso said she isn't sure. But EV advocates are optimistic. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy skies throughout the day today with a high of 51 degrees. Winds will be light and variable. Tonight, we can expect clear to partly cloudy skies and a low of 27 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. 
It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Chris Dowdy from Tennessee Children's Home. We are overwhelmed by the support through our move to our new Spring Hill campus. We are excited about the new opportunities that these buildings will provide us to serve at-risk youth. We ask that you will continue to pray for us and those that we serve. We still need your continued support. Visit our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, to make a donation or learn more about what we're doing to serve at-risk youth in Tennessee. can go from zero to 60 way too fast. <laughs> Who knew electric vehicle owners were having so much fun? 20 or 30 years ago, I owned a, a gas sports car, and this car is much quicker. It's a great, fun car to drive. When you put your foot on the accelerator, it just goes. They're fun, they're fast, they're efficient. Visit driveelectrictn.org to learn how you can start having fun driving an electric vehicle. Sponsored by the East Tennessee Clean Fuels Coalition, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. The state's review of its lethal injection procedure is expected to be released in the coming weeks, nearly seven months after a Tennessee man's execution was delayed at the 11th hour. 
Governor Bill Lee delayed five executions earlier this year after issues were found approximately one hour before Oscar Franklin Smith was set to be executed by lethal injection on April 21st. Soon after, the state retained former U.S. Attorney Ed Stanton to conduct an independent review and likely recommended and likely recommend corrective actions. The report is complete, Lee's office said Friday morning. His office has declined to release the report to reporters or Smith's attorneys. Public release of it and any next steps are expected by December 31st at the latest, Lee said. He told reporters Friday morning he had just begun to read the lengthy report and couldn't comment on what it contains. We've just begun analyzing, but we'll look at it to see what the next steps are regarding any actions necessary, he told reporters on Friday. This is a very serious matter that we've taken very very seriously and will continue to do so. Once we have read the report and assimilate the information that will make the report, we will make the report public so folks can know exactly what the process is, he said. Lee denied he was burying the report's findings over the holidays. The report will be entirely public, every piece of it, every aspect of it, he said. I don't think it's going to get buried because Tennesseans have an interest in what's happening here, as they should, he said. It was not immediately clear whether Lee intends to implement any changes by the end of the year in two weeks' time. Since April, state agencies have referred to what happened as an oversight in adhering to the Tennessee Department of Corrections lethal injection protocol. The protocol laid out in state law is lengthy, detailing how to obtain and preserve the pharmaceuticals, as well as prepare for the injection itself. But an investigation by the Tennessean found the state has not followed its own lethal injection protocol since 2018, in which time the state executed two people by the method. Kelly Henry, a federal public defender who represents several death row defendants, including Smith, called for an independent review early on and is pushing for sorely needed personnel and protocol changes to Tennessee executions. Lee made the right decision in ordering the investigation, she told the Tennessean on Friday, and the report is the first step in setting the record straight, after the state attorney general told a federal judge of inaccuracies in its filings on other executions in the state. Tennesseans deserve transparency by release of the full report, she said in a statement. We need careful and considered evaluation of this report. Friday's news release did not contain details on what went wrong in April, nor if the current execution reprieves would be extended. Lee issued temporary reprieves to the five men set to be executed in 2022. The state has not yet set any execution dates for 2023. It was also not immediately clear what, if any, steps the state intends to take around any of the report's findings. I thank the independent investigators for their thorough work on this extremely serious matter. Lee said in Friday's news release. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Adam Sandler just announced more dates in his upcoming comedy tour. Sandler will be performing in Nashville on February 17th at Bridgestone Arena. Tickets are on sale now and can be found at www.ticketmaster.com. The Kennedy Center for Performing Arts will award Sandler with the 24th Mark Twain Prize for American Humor on March 19th. The Mark Twain Prize for American Humor recognizes individuals who have had an impact on American society in ways similar to the distinguished 19th century novelist and essayist Samuel Clemens, best known as Mark Twain. Adam Sandler has entertained audiences for over three decades with his films, music, and his tenure as a fan-favorite cast member on Saturday Night Live, said Kennedy Center President Deborah F. Rutter about this year's recipient in a release. Adam has created characters that have made us cry, laugh, and cry from laughing. I am looking forward to a laughter-filled evening like no other as we celebrate his career at a ceremony that is sure to bring together the best in comedy, she said. Again, Sandler will be performing at Nashville's Bridgestone Arena on February 17th. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a good